0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we wanted to do something a little bit different, which is devote an episode to you, our listeners. I mean, every technically every episode is devoted to you, <laughs> but we want to talk to you guys and gals.
1: Yeah, we we get a lot of great listener mail, whether it's through email or Facebook. We also get a lot of great shout-outs from you on Twitter. And so we wanted to take a little bit of time to read some of those letters. Yes, in every episode we do read listener mail. But we wanted to also maybe answer some of your questions.
0: Yeah, and also a heads-up for our summer programming schedule. Uh, you might be noticing in the coming weeks a few reruns. That's because, you know what, Caroline and I work super duper hard to bring you podcasts, two of them, in fact, each week. So we're taking a little bit of time off, but we have a special summer series coming for you. So every week there will be a brand new podcast you've never heard before. And one other one that you also might not have heard before, but have been uh, really popular in the past. So don't fret if you see reruns in your queue. Uh, just listen again. There's always great stuff to learn. Yeah, you
1: probably miss something the first time around anyway. I know that I do. I do, too. <laughs> so, like, wow, Kristen,
0: that was so interesting what she just said. Caroline, you're so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we hop through some questions, shall we? Sure. Well, I have a letter here. It's a Facebook
1: letter. Well, I guess it's also called a message, Kristen. Uh, it's from Fod. And he got hooked on the YouTube channel, which introduced him to our podcasts, Instead, I was listening to an older podcast about female superheroes, which, side note, we published in November 2010. And I wanted to know if you would do another podcast looking at positive female fictional heroes.
0: Side note, we did one recently. Yeah, if you go to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com and look in our podcast archive, which you can get to by clicking on the podcast tab and then scrolling down to the very bottom of the page, There is a little button that says browse our podcast archives and that pulls up all 500 plus episodes of stuff. Mom never told you and you will see the rise of female action heroes that came out on November 20th, 2013. Okay, so Fod goes on to say. With the popularity of shows like
1: Game of Thrones, strong female heroes seem to be more on the rise. I read an article recently about how Marvel is or has made an all-female X-Men group led by the weather-controlling mutant called Storm. Her portrayal has prompted her to get her own standalone comic, something that has been long wanted since she is the most popular female comic book hero, or on par with, if not more so than Wonder Woman. Sorry if this would cause a Marvel DC beef. That is very telling since she is often the only female leader in the X-Men and is one of the most fleshed out and powerful characters in the Marvel universe, both power and personality wise. Yet it took this long for her own comic to happen. Add on top of that, her being a black woman who is also proudly pagan puts her into a minority, which one wouldn't naturally expect to be so popular, especially among the assumed demographic of comic book readers. Okay, now to his questions. Do you think. That in the years since you made the Superhero Podcast, fictional women heroes have become more popular and easily acceptable to the masses, even if they don't fit the stereotypical bill of what we expect a female hero to be. Has the relatively small time difference been enough for women heroes to stand out due to their personality alone? If so... What changes in society or in the industry do you think helped that to happen? Or have women become more active in consuming media in which there are strong female heroes? Okay, so do we think it's gotten better? Why do we think it's gotten better? What do women viewers have to do with it?
0: I think it's gotten better because you are seeing more uh, just female-led action series, such as Hunger Games, such as Divergent. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think, don't you think that it's getting better?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I um, you're you're also asking the person who is obsessed with Lady Spy shows, so like La Femme Nikita, all time favorite. In love with Peter Wilson, like I've said this a million times before, kick butt character. I'm currently in the middle of binge watching Covert Affairs with Piper Perabo, also so kick butt, and she does it all in the super high heels. I don't even, I can't even walk in shoes like she wears to run in. Anyway. I do think it's a lot better than even a few years ago. And I think something that might be helping is just that people are even just talking about it and that there's this younger generation coming up who were who kind of cut their teeth on young adult lit featuring active female characters and heroes. And so when those end up becoming movies like The Hunger Games, like Divergent, um you've got young boys and young girls who are super excited to watch.
0: Yeah, I think that awareness factor is a big key to all this. Uh, In listening to his letter, one thing that I was reminded of was how much attention, um, deservedly so, was paid to how Scarlett Johansson in the role of Black Widow in the Avengers was treated on press tours Mm -hmm. for that film compared to the male superheroes in those movies. And she repeatedly called out reporters for just asking her over and over again, well, how did you wear such a skin-tight outfit? How did you lose all that weight? How were you so fit? Whereas the guys would just get questions about their characters and action and all that. And... I How many times I've seen posts about that on Tumblr? I couldn't even count. And I feel like that helped start a big conversation. Uh There have also been tons of conversations surrounding uh women in the new Star Wars, for instance. Mm-hmm. And the celebration of women. I mean, there's obviously Carrie Fisher's coming back. But there's also uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who we talked about extensively in our podcast about exoticizing non-white beauty. And the Bryn of Tarth
1: actress oh, from yeah. Game of Thrones. I mean... The- the Game of Thrones conversation you and I could have would be an entirely different podcast because it would take us two hours to talk about. But when you have characters like Arya, are you kidding me? She's like my hero.
0: Yeah. I mean, and Game of Thrones is a great example of, yes, sometimes some problematic and uh, we could say egregious rape scenes but, uh all of these really strong, active female characters as well mm-hmm. that the public clearly wants, we're asking for it, and we're asking for it loudly, and I think that studios are starting to pay more attention to that, absolutely, yeah, yeah so I, I
1: think I think the landscape is getting better. I think it's things are are looking up, uh, knocking on wood with that one um. But yeah, I, I I loved your letter, Fod and I wanted to I wanted to read it
0: and, and see what see what Kristen thought too. Yeah, and one final shout out. Uh, I know that Orphan Black, the show, the BBC show, gets a ton of attention for its portrayal of women. You know, this is very strong uh, lead female character who plays all of these different roles, but also in particular how they intentionally, objectify the men in the show and like make them sort of empty shells of themselves that makes some people upset, but really it's just flipping the whole treatment of yeah. women on screen for so long. Flipping on that head. paradigm. Yeah. So just another one to toss onto the pile and listeners, if you have other examples of shows and movies that are really showing strong, active women and girls on screen, holler at us per usual. Well, I've got a question here from Lana titled, How do you date someone who's asexual? Lana writes, Hi, girls. Hi, Lana. Hi. I'm in a relationship with another female who identifies as asexual. I've just listened to your podcast about asexuality from forever ago, and I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on being in a relationship with someone who is asexual when you aren't asexual yourself. I'm feeling a bit lost at the moment and would appreciate some of your input, so I know I'm not just looking at this from my own perspective. Well, first of all, I think uh, we should acknowledge that uh, we... Well, I don't want to speak for you, Caroline. I I am not asexual. Nope. So, uh, also, grain of salt from our perspective. And speaking of that podcast episode you're referencing, it was from a while ago. It was from, also, November 2010, the title, What is Asexuality? If listeners want to go look that up on the website. Um Honestly, I think that uh, that is a pretty huge challenge that you're setting up for yourself. If you are not asexual and the other person is asexual, I don't know the degree of sexual interest that the person has, the, the woman has, but if they're asexual in the sense that they aren't interested in any kind of physical contact and yet you are and by physical contact i mean i'm talking about like sexual contact i should say then i think you might need to think long and hard about how this relationship will shape up for you whether it will ultimately be edifying for you Right.
1: And I mean, you know, I don't want to go into the degrees of sexuality and like there's, you know, spectrums and we could talk about that forever, but that's what the podcast is for. You can go listen to that older episode. But um, you do have to keep in mind that while you may love and care for someone, it's still that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right relationship for you to be in.
0: And it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is the person who can fulfill the needs and the wants that you have and having needs and wants that might be different and even conflicting with another person isn't bad. Mm -hmm. I think it's more important to acknowledge whether it is a fit or is not a fit. And this also isn't to throw asexuals under the bus whatsoever. I think it's great that there is more asexuality visibility happening. I think it's good that we are starting to recognize, like Caroline mentioned, that there is a spectrum. Uh, I even wrote a blog post recently, do asexuals masturbate, talking about how, you know, they're... There's often this knee-jerk negative response to people who identify as asexual as, oh, well, they have some kind of disorder. Mm-hmm. Must be some kind of disorder. No, it's not a disorder at all. Their needs and wants and desires are simply different than people who are sexual. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to say that that's a deal breaker, but I think that it sounds like you're clearly at a point of struggling with it. Yeah. So. Um communication, 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 no matter what yeah. direction the relationship takes will uh, be crucial to this.
1: Yeah, communication is very important. And it's also important to remember that it's not a bad thing to put yourself first. And that while this person is absolutely deserving of love and respect and being cared for and to care for someone else, um... If if it's not right for you, if the sexual or non-sexual aspect of your relationship doesn't fit with what you need and want, then
0: maybe maybe you should part ways. Well, and I would love to hear from any uh, asexuals listening about your perspective on being with someone, dating someone, even just spending time with someone, whether you qualify as dating or not. Who is sexual, how you, you know, whether that feels similarly um, like a challenge for you to maintain Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So please let us let us know if you have any insights on that. And good luck, Lana. All right. I have a Facebook
1: message here from Christy. She says, One of the double standards that makes me so angry is when men and sometimes women tell women to cover up or tell them that she was asking for it based on what she was wearing. I'd love to know when this started and why we are still supporting it as a society, because it seems to me no matter what you wear as a woman, something could happen to you. This is based off of three personal incidents of street harassment while wearing modest clothing and observation of the media. And yet we're always told to be careful of what you wear. Ugh. Kristen,
0: what do you think? Oh, I think that's a lot of slut-shaming nonsense. <laughs> um, uh, I, I got, I've, I've had this whole modesty thing on my brain for a really long time, uh, partially because I grew up in a really conservative home in which my sisters and I were constantly told that we needed to watch out what we wore. Um, for the reason that we didn't want to send off the wrong message that, you know, boys will be boys and it's up to us to cover ourselves up to make sure that, you know, our, I guess, morality is (laughs) preserved. And I realized that my parents were doing what they thought was best. But in retrospect, it is those kinds of messages, not just reinforced in more conservative homes, but in, say, dress codes mm-hmm. in schools mm-hmm. everywhere, in um, these kinds of messages that girls will get in, um, say, freshman orientation in college mm-hmm. of, oh, well, you need to watch out what you're wearing because, well, if your skirt's too tight, then dot, dot, dot. And all of it really, the, the only purpose it ultimately serves is to reinforce rape culture. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because to me, it not only removes agency from girls because uh, really th- there's like nothing we can do to prevent anything from happening and it also removes agency from boys and guys because they're being told that they have no control over their sexuality either mm-hmm. that if they see something that they like then well let's just roll the dice and see whether or not you go for it
1: right it all i mean it also i mean speaking of rape culture there is that whole sort of I can't even call it a perception or an idea because I feel like it's it's quieter and it's more subtle and it's more deeply ingrained than that but just the idea that women are objects that they almost exist for other people other people being men and in that regard that means that you as a woman have to wear a longer skirt, wear a long sleeve shirt. Don't wear something that's a V-neck that can possibly show cleavage because men are uncontrollable animals
0: and women are always victims, which is just throwing all of us under this horrific bus. Mm-hmm. And the the one thing that always comes to my mind, too, whenever this argument of watch what you wear comes up, I think about. When I go jogging and I'm wearing my typical outfit of, like, biker shorts and, like, a giant ill-fitting T-shirt and my face is red, beet red, and I still get catcalled, Mm -hmm. that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm wearing. I'm clearly not looking provocative. Well, no, but it
1: has everything to do with the attitude that, oh, you're a woman, you're there for me to look at? And because you're this object that you're there for me, just for me as a man, like I can do whatever I want to
0: you. I can yell at you. I can cat call you or I can attack you if I feel like it because you're there. Well, and it's also, I think, uh, in the, the minds of some cat callers, they're paying us a compliment. You know, it, it doesn't perhaps in some people's minds and I'm not making an excuse, but I do think that it's like, well, you know, don't you want to be called pretty? Isn't that, you know, that's all we're saying. We're just asking you to get in our car. Um, and no, we also need to culturally change the fact that that is kind of like the pinnacle of a compliment that you can pay to a woman is that she is pretty and yeah. that she is like sexually desirable. And I also think that the whole modesty thing also just like limits in general what sexy can be and can look like, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just lose, lose all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, anytime I go jogging with my boyfriend, nothing, of course, no one honks at me because I'm running with a guy. It's a similar kind of thing that comes up a lot where if you are at a bar and someone starts hitting on you, the most effective deflection is not, I'm not interested or even In some cases, which is the truth, I'm a lesbian, and therefore I'm simply not attracted to you. Nope, even that won't work. It's, I have a boyfriend, or I have a husband. Oh, she's somebody else's property. Right. Yeah. Right. And I know that sounds probably to some people, like, really extreme and overblown. And no, that's not what we're thinking about. But I I think it's undeniable that, nonetheless, that logic traces back to that era when... Women were essentially property.
1: Yeah, women were property. Uh, we were expected to be these pure virgins who had been untouched. They were, you know, we were just pure as the driven snow, or at least
0: just not pregnant outside of wedlock. Yeah, we could we have sex as long as there was like no outside sign that we had committed such an act. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of an answer for that. That is
1: a lot of an answer, but I mean, it's everything from thinking about back in the times of dowries to now thinking about like when I was in school, I was at a private school and we had a really strict dress code. And I mean, you even hear about it now as far as, uh, well, you, your shorts can't be too short because you'll distract those poor boys. And it's like, would you please let boys be like, I mean, talk about agency. Like, do we really have no faith in our children?
0: Well, and also, too, speaking of dress codes, the fact that The, there, there are types of bodies that are disproportionately penalized. If you are a young woman who happens to have breasts and hips and a butt, then, or like me, you have really long arms, so I like, fingertip length just like, is impossible for me. (laughs) Then, you know, it's always those kinds of bodies that are called out.
1: Oh yeah, well I mean like, I'm, I'm pretty booby. And, I, you know, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. Yeah. Realize, but I, She's pretty booby. I'm pretty booby. And, you know, sorry, not sorry. And I'm not going to wear sports bras, try to minimize them. I'm just wearing normal T-shirt bras from the Gap that are comfortable. And I want to wear V-neck shirts, you know, like I'm not trying to put my boobs in your face, although that is te- typically how I greet friends. But I mean, I do think that it's a lot of young women like that in high school who get the short end of the stick uh, because people are just like, oh, you're flaunting it. You know, you need to go home and put on a T-shirt.
0: Yeah, I I hate that because I am not so booby and I can wear v-neck T-shirts and not get a second look. But that doesn't make sense. We could be wearing the same shirt. Yeah. And simply because I. We should do it. We should do a sminty experiment. And wear the same thing—a cleavage experiment. Yeah, <laughs> see what happens.
1: Stay tuned. Well, folks. also, I mean, my legs are much shorter than yours, so if we wore the same shorts, I'm sure they might look
0: shorter on you. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be showing the gams, <laughs> showing off my gams, booby uh, and leggy. Yeah, there's. I, I would like to do a podcast soon on the whole modesty issue because clearly we have lots of thoughts on it. <laughs> lots of thoughts. Ooh, and boy do we have a lot more to say. Um, let's, let's get into some more letters here. All right. Well, I have some feedback and a question here from Chelsea in response to our women and weed episode from a while back. She writes, I can't tell you how excited I was to hear your episode on women and weed. I actually discovered your podcast last year while I was growing in California. I'm happy you touched on the gender difference between marijuana growers and trimmers. I experienced extreme isolation during these summer months and was surrounded by only men. Your podcast became a refuge where I could plug in while working outside and pretend to have some girl time. I've grown for years and even voted to pass the recreational marijuana in Colorado when I lived there. No matter how hard I worked and despite growing the same quality of weed as my fellow grower guys, I never received the same recognition. When harvest came, I was expected to trim as well because, quote, women are better at that stuff. If you have ever trimmed, it is a very long, boring, and tedious process that you don't want to do if you don't have to. As the U.S. becomes more accepting of marijuana, I'm excited to break these stereotypes. I love my craft and have always found a deep connection with weed farming. When growing marijuana, the female plants are the ones that will produce the buds. As a woman, I've always felt a powerful connection to this concept and the importance of having a female presence around female plants. Since becoming a grower, I've always wondered... Why is it that when thinking of regular gardening, women are the norm, but when it comes to farming or growing, it is a male-dominated world? Thank you so much for your podcast. I will be tuning in all summer long. Sincerely, Ganja Gal. And what a great question. So gardening, it's it's sort of like um, how being a cook is for women and being a chef is for men. All no offense to female chefs out there. I have a feeling you know what I'm talking about though. How in uh industrial kitchens mm-hmm. are very much uh sort of masculine enclaves. Similar kind of thing when it comes to gardening versus farming sure. or growing. What do you think that is?
1: Um, I think it goes back to a lot of things we've talked on the podcast before, as far as the professionalization of certain industries, because I mean, we talked about this if you go back and listen to our coffee episode, um, and and several other episodes we've done, as far as, you know, women will be in it just as much as men are. But when an industry becomes professionalized, or unionized, or there's like a guild of some kind, and there's an apprenticeship system set up. Basically, when there's money to be made, men have a tendency throughout history, across industries, of of entering the industry, taking it over, making it into something fancy schmancy, and displacing all
0: of the women who had been there all along. Well, and I think gardening is more considered like a domestic hobby, whereas farming is a profession. And then, I mean, we could probably do a million podcasts like just tracing the history of agriculture. If you think way back in time to before we could go to grocery stores and buy all the food we needed, when people, families, et cetera, would grow their own food clearly that would be in times when you have these stricter domestic structures with men at the top women would be doing all sorts of things and would be very active in sort of cottage industry production but it would probably still be the men working out more out in the fields so it probably there are probably all sorts of Kind of reasons why that, you know, like tumbleweed has now blown into <laughs> the divide that we still see with, uh, as Ganja Gal brings up in the marijuana industry of men being the farmers and women being more of the gardeners with the trimming. So any farmers or gardeners out there who have some insights, let us know.
1: Yeah. Let us know how you grow. Alright, I have a letter here from Beth, uh, sort of a pop culture reference of the moment. She's very curious. She says, what's up with that guy's mugshot that got a zillion likes on Facebook? And comments from women like he can assault me anytime. As a woman who has been a victim of dating violence, I find these comments offensive and disturbing. Why do women make light of such serious crimes and why do they find criminals attractive? I think it goes deeper than just the women like bad boys stereotype. I think it has more to do with rape culture and the way women are treated and expect to be treated in our society today. But what do you guys think?
0: Yeah, so I have a feeling by the time this podcast airs, Jeremy Meeks better known to the Internet at this moment as the hot convict. Um, his fame will probably have fizzled out a bit simply because, as with many Internet memes, they blow up and then fade away as quickly as they blow up. And his story and the mugshot gone viral is problematic on so many levels, women's comments aside for the moment, but just simply the fact that we have collectively flattened a man's life into one single attractive photo for our pleasure. You know, this is a guy who is in jail. He has a wife and a mother and a kid, and all he is is just... He's a, he became a Twitter hashtag at one point. Hashtag hot felon Friday. That's disgusting. Like, that's not, um, that's not good behavior. Not because of, in the sense of, oh, we shouldn't, uh, you know, give criminals any, any credence or anything like that. It's not even that. It's not even the question of, well, did he do this or not? He was arrested on felony weapons charges and has had other run-ins with the law. This is not his first time in jail. But all of that aside, it's simply a, a really poor reflection of how our culture just treats people sometimes and especially minorities as very disposable. Yeah. Um, and I actually wrote a blog post about it um, because that happened right around when Caroline and I were researching for our episode um, called Exotic Beauty, all about the fetishization of non-white beauty and using Lupita Nyong'o in particular as an example and while he lives in a world just beyond far away from the world in which Lupita lives to me it echoed similar kinds of things of us almost consuming and commodifying you know non-white attractiveness when it serves us Pleasure when we can get a kick out of it, and then we sort of leave it by the wayside and go on our way. And I th- th- found thought it was telling that uh, the guy Jeremy makes, uh, you know, he's lighter skinned and he has blue eyes and a jawline cut from just just chiseled. And it reminded me of a question that we quoted in that episode about that was uh, from a BuzzFeed conversation about Lupita Nyong'o and fetishization of non-white women and it was this question of well are people so like fawning over Lupita so much because she transcends the superficial idea of what black is and I feel like there was a lot of that going on with this mugshot mania it was like oh well he doesn't he doesn't look like your typical criminal look at him oh he could model and then, I don't know, what do you think about this stuff, Caroline, with the comments of women saying, flippantly, well, he could assault me.
1: I, well, obviously it's gross. Um, and obviously they're not really thinking about what they're saying. Yeah, it's not funny. It's no. also not funny. It's, it's not funny. And it surprises me that people would say that. I mean... Cause on the one hand, like, think about who you're saying this to. Like, you could have friends and family who are reading this who have dealt with this. But also, like, what are you, what are you saying about yourself? Like, really? You're, I mean, I get, like, okay, let's step back for a moment from this guy. And like, I get when you see an attractive person and you think, I want to be intimate with that person. Whatever, whatever that ends up meaning. But to turn it into a sexual assault joke, Uh, is, is pretty, pretty demeaning for everyone involved.
0: Well, yeah. And it also, I mean, there's a whole other layer to it as well of supposedly in our criminal justice system, people are innocent until proven guilty. And that right there, he wasn't, you know, even arrested on assault charges. It's just this, this assumption that, oh, well, this is, uh, you know, a, a man of color mm-hmm. who has been arrested. Well, he must also, you know, be a rapist too. So it's just wrong on on multiple levels and was uh, just kinda it was it was a gross Friday
1: for me. Yeah, it was um I mean I think uh it was a low moment.
0: <laughs> it was a low moment in internet uhness. Yeah. Um and this actually brings up a question I would like to pose to listeners one of the worst responses that I saw to all of this hubbub over the mugshot was this very pickup artist e, men's rights activist-y comeback of, well, this just shows the never-ending hypocrisy of American women and how they only want bad guys and nice guys. You know, we're never going to step up and beta males, it's time for you to blah, blah, blah. And we have been getting it, it, uh, the question I have is um, whether we should do a podcast looking at the men's rights movement because we have been getting more requests for it. And I'll be honest, it's it's not the the most uh, it wouldn't be a topic that I would look forward to researching because there is so much bile in it. Um, but if it's something that people would like to hear more about because, it is being more and more mainstreamed to a disturbing extent. Um, if you'd like us to do that and shine some light on it, we will do it. But please let us know if you would. Well, switching gears for a moment, I've got an email here from Becky about our Phantom Pregnancy podcast because it happened to her. She wrote, this happened to me once, but only lasted for about a month. During the winter, my cycle lasts longer, and it's not uncommon for me to go 60 days between periods. I have a feeling some women listening are saying, oh, lucky. But uh, she says, the first time this happened, I missed my period, and I also really wanted to get pregnant. I started feeling the symptoms of pregnancy, and I went out to the doctor. The test came back negative, which really confused me at the time. My doctor wouldn't say anything about potential phantom pregnancy. I asked repeatedly, why do I have symptoms then? And the only answer I got was, you're not pregnant. That was it. It was very frustrating and confusing. I was worried something was wrong with my body and my doctor wouldn't address it. Needless to say, I never went back to that doctor. A few months later, I did get pregnant and I now have an amazing five-year-old. Thanks for the podcast, ladies. It was excellent and the information helped me to better understand what actually happened during that time period. Okay, we have one last note for you. This is from Jessica. She says,
1: have you done a podcast on curly hair stereotypes? No, Jessica, we have not. She says, I just listened to the hair color one and I really enjoyed it. I have super curly hair and have always felt as though the media and fashion industry don't give curls the representation they deserve. I mean, curly haired men models. Anyway, if you've already done a show on this, how would I find it? Okay, Jessica, we haven't, but we're going to give you like a quick discussion right now about hair.
0: Yeah, we haven't talked about curly hair before, but she is not the first person to request a podcast on it. And this is always so fascinating to me how many questions we get and also questions that I have myself related to hair, whether Mm -hmm. it's hair on our heads, hair on our arms, hair on our vulvas, hair on our legs. Humans are fascinated with their own hair. It's true. And it seems
1: like, as far as head hair is concerned, anyway, the grass is always greener. Yes. I have really fine, straight, limp, sad hair. And you so, have lovely hair, Caroline. Aww, thank you. But I, I always want to, when I'm shampooing, it's with volumizing shampoo. When I'm blow drying, it's upside down so I can get more volume. And then, because then it frizzes a little bit, then I have to use a straightener to kind of like take any of the weird kinks out of it. And then I use my straightener in a twisty motion to give it some waves. That's a lot. I could be president in the time that it takes me to
0: just get ready every day. But see, it's funny you say that. Because, and you're right, grass is always greener. Because as someone with naturally wavier hair, I... I've come to embrace my hair now. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm at a good, I'm at a, you know, solid point (laughs) with my hair. (laughs) Good. But for a long time, I always wanted straight hair Mm -hmm. so that I could pull off shorter, choppier cuts. Because if you've got, you know, random wave in it, if you get it above my shoulders, then it starts to get a cotton ball effect (laughs) and doesn't look so nice. It's just hard to tame. Um, but if we're talking about like curly, curly hair. Like let's think of Emmy Rossum. That actress, she's got curly, curly hair and she always straightens it when she's on the red carpet and everything. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's time for us to do a curly hair episode because this also gets into the whole issue with African-American hair and, you know, those really tight curls and how, you know, historically um, the whole issue of them being told that they need to straighten their hair and also if they let their hair um, grow naturally. The thing of people, and particularly white people, asking to touch it, which just don't, no. Touch your own hair. Yeah, you need to
1: touch I mean, hair. I, I had a really awkward coffee shop experience one time. I was in line to buy coffee, and this guy in front of me, uh, the, the cashier, the woman at the cash register was African American and had beautiful hair and had let it grow naturally. And the man in front of me, I don't know if it was in an effort to be like, hey, look, I'm cool with black people, but he wouldn't stop talking about her hair to her. And the look on her face, she was just like, please make this end. Please make this end. And he was just like, oh, your hair is so beautiful. It's so curly. I just oh,
0: and 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 all of her response was just like, yep. It reminds me of when strangers will, uh, without asking first, rub pregnant women's bellies. That's so strange to me. Yeah. Ew. I know. Because if you
1: reached out and just touched me like any other time, that's not okay. Why would it be okay to touch my pregnant belly? Yeah.
0: We. You and I know each other very well. We've never touched stomachs before. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should start greeting each other that way. No. (laughs) No. No. Um, So if there are other curly-haired people out there who would like us to do a podcast on curly hair or any other kind of body hair, I'm curious about arm hair for some reason. I might just do a video on it. Yeah, no, I had a friend who got hers lasered off completely. Yeah, I knew a girl in college who shaved her arms. Mm-hmm. And I am one, I'll be honest, folks. I have uh, pale skin and dark arm hair. And when I was growing up, it was a big source of insecurity. She's talking to her arm right now. Isn't I actually? am. <laughs> I'm sorry, Arm, that I didn't <laughs> embrace you in my youth. Um, Yeah, so... so...
1: Yeah, I, I do feel like in the media, anyway. To sort of wrap up your question in a tidy little bow, I do, I do feel like there aren't a whole lot of curly-haired women or or men out there. I mean, you know, Bradley Cooper got a perm for American Hustle, but he already has pretty nice curly hair. I, I love not to go off on a tangent, but I love men
0: with curly hair. Run your fingers through those curls. Yeah, yeah. Well, let us know if you like a curly-haired episode. And as we are wrapping up. This special listener mail episode. Keep your ideas coming. We always want to hear and love to hear what people want to hear about. We want to talk about what y'all want to learn about. So keep the ideas coming to us. Um, if there are specific videos you would like made or blog posts or whatever, whatever we can do, really, because, Caroline, you know, I... I don't want to get too sentimental, but I'm going to get sentimental and say that I'm always just so impressed and touched and feel very grateful for the audience that we have. It's so thoughtful and inquisitive, and it means a lot that people take the time to share their feedback with us. Yeah. So keep it coming. Please keep it coming. And speaking of which, if you have letters you want to send to us, momstuff at com is our email address. You can always tweet us at momstuffpodcast podcast or message us on Facebook and we will try our best to get back to you. Although sometimes it takes a little while because we do hear from a lot of you, but believe me, your, your feedback matters. Oh, so much. So keep it coming. And in the meantime, if you want to check out all of our blog posts, videos, podcasts, and find links to all of our social media, remember, there's one place to go, and it's StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.